We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Pacer Nation, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace, and I'm here live in my studio with David Cole, and this is a good friend of mine. We actually watched tonight's game together at the house, and it was just great to see the Pacers back on TV. Unfortunately, David's in the same boat as many of you guys, Hulu uh, subscriber, not able to watch the games live, so because I have AT&T TV, David was able to come over and watch a game with me, and uh, it all worked out, so David, thanks so much for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I know I won't go into all the details, but the last two days of trying to figure out how to watch Pacers uh, basketball have been a bit of an adventure, but it's good to see the team back on the court again. Absolutely, and so I I think the first place to start off is looking at this team, you can't start off any other place than with DeMontis Sabonis. Guy plays 37 minutes, and that was something that everybody kept talking about all offseason, like, hey, is Bjorken going to play a deeper rotation? Is he going to you know, limit some of Sabonis' minutes because of the plantar fasciitis that he got during the summer, kept him out of the bubble. No, 37 minutes, actually. I think that's more than what he averaged last year per uh, per game. And he had 32 points, a career high, 13 rebounds, and 5 assists. This is the Domas we know, just with 15, uh, actually, no, I think that's 14 more points than what he averaged last year for the uh, season opener. So, Dave, what were your thoughts on Sabonis tonight? Man, it was excellent to see Sabonis back on the court again. Uh, it just the whole offense looked better. Part of that is probably new coach, new system. Mm-hmm. Part of that is just what Sabonis brings to this team. Uh, you know, some people struggled. Some of the some players struggled shooting, um, other issues. But just having him there to help create um, and just to take it to the paint, man, he was strong tonight. Yeah, I, I think what was funny is he got Nerlens Noel and Mitchell Robinson five fouls within like a matter of like ten minutes of him being on the court. So I was like, man, like if Domas continues to put the pressure on the defense like this, this is going to be a problem. Now, I do think a little bit in the second half they did not give him that friendly of a whistle as they were giving him in the first half. But at the same time, this is a guy that Bjorkman talked about this when he was signed or when he was, yeah, when he was given that contract contract with the Pacers to be the new coach. He was like, I like Domas. He puts pressure 
on the opposing defenses by getting to the rim. And when you think about it, there's not a lot of other Pacers that do it. Malcolm is a guy that isn't someone that's going to play above the rim. Victor was an above the rim guy. He's still trying to get back there. And we know that pretty much Sabonis is not really an above the rim guy either, but he's someone that attacks the basket. And that's one thing I love about him and Victor. And everybody was kind of worried about what Sabonis might look like in the new system. But I think <laughs> I think this is just Domas showing you that it doesn't matter what system he's in. He's just one heck of a basketball player. No, Yeah, I don't think it matters. And I, I, I was right there with you. I thought you know maybe Miles would be a little bit better in this system and maybe Domas would come back a little bit. But that was totally false tonight. And talking about the free throw... Issues. I mean, all, you know, it, most Pacer fans have talked about how few free throws we shot last year. Domas shot twelve. No one else shot more than four. Yeah. So you know that shows you how important he can be in just creating mismatches, creating fouls, getting people into foul trouble, getting easy points from the line. That's really important. I mean, that's something that we we've been trying to improve upon. Yeah, and I think when you look at the percentages from the top three guys, Brogdon shot fifty percent tonight. Vic was 9 of 14, Sabonis was 11 of 18. Like, this is really efficient basketball. And I I know a lot of people are curious and anxious to see what T.J. Warren's going to look like in this system. And unfortunately, you know, this is his first game back. They only played him 23 minutes. He was 2 of 8 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3. You know, defensively, I thought he was there for most of it on the on-ball stuff. He got, you know, like last year, similar to Warren, his... um, off-ball defense, he gets a little... He watches the ball a lot. Yeah. And he gets beat on back doors and stuff like that. So that's one thing he needs to work on. But I would just... You know, if you're worried about Warren right now, I would say pump the brakes because these next couple of weeks are going to be like training camp and preseason for him to kind of get his feet wet. Yeah, I think it's important to to keep that in mind, that he's coming off of an injury um, that, for all we know, could still be a bit of an issue. We don't really know. It's... You know, with the plantar fasciitis, it's impossible to know... From our end, at least, how 100% is he? Is he 80%? Is he 100%? Beyond the fact that he didn't get a preseason, and even the rest of the team got a very small preseason. So that's something to keep in mind that, that we're not going to be in anywhere close to midseason form, given that it's the first game and shortened season, and sorry, shortened preseason, right. and shortened off season. So just to see some of the players look great, I thought was super exciting. But Warren was. For sure had a rough night. Yeah, and like really Sabonis didn't really, like it shows he has five fouls, but if you were watching the game, he really didn't get a lot of fouls until towards the end of the game. Yeah. And I thought Quinn Buckner brought up a great point. He said, Domas looks a little tired. Yeah. And you got to imagine playing 37 minutes and, you know, him not really having a serious game, like a play, like a like like an actual regular season game since March. Since March. It's been nine months for Domas. It's so Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to see him back out there and hit the first three of the night, actually. Yeah. Went two of four from three tonight. So uh, going back to Domas hitting threes, that's good. I mean, if he's <laughs> able to, if he's able to, you know, hit fifty percent from the three point line, that's obviously great. I don't anticipate that every night, but, no, but two of four is something really good, uh, David. And I think that's something we need to keep seeing from him launching those threes. Yeah, I think just him getting two threes made is just big for his game. Like yeah. being able to then uh, pick and roll instead of in, you know, after hitting the three, you have to then guard that. And so it just helps him create more. It helps him get more to the uh, to the hole, which then creates breathing opportunities. It just opens up so many different yeah. avenues for uh, Sabonis to be effective and impactful on the offensive end. Couldn't agree with you more there. And I want to talk now about a guy that everybody's been talking about all offseason, <laughs> and that's Victor Oladipo, who's in a contract year. Yeah. 
But my oh my, 9 of 14, you know, he was pretty quiet in that first half, but that third quarter he came alive. And, you know, he had four rebounds, he had uh, four assists, one steal, only one turnover, yeah. which was uh, a huge thing to improve upon looking back at him playing in the bubble. Yeah, especially in the bubble. Yeah, 22 points, uh, two of five from three, you know, that could maybe be a little bit better. But I, I just, you know, when I look at Oladipo, this is a guy that is going to raise the expectations for this Pacers team. Most people have them at that seventh seed. Maybe six seed at max. I haven't really seen them in the top five most places. Yeah, I've actually probably seen more people predict the Pacers to be on the outside looking in around the eight, nine, ten area, which is still a bit. Of, it's just mind boggling to me. But Victor Oladipo, nine of fourteen, really solid game, and I think we're slowly starting to see Victor get some of his former self back. And that's the hope, and I think that even if you are the most jaded on Victor Oladipo, it's in the Pacers' best interest for him to be excellent. Whether he's already gone or not mentally, if he's you know if he's for sure going to leave the team next year, it's still in our best interest for him to be excellent because then he's going to be worth more in the trade market. Yeah. And if he's not going to not going to leave, then obviously it's good for us for him to have a good game and for him to play better. Uh, I told I, I looked over at you about six minutes left in the game and asked you, uh, trying to not be too hyperbolic, but like is this his best game since the injury? And it just felt like, it felt like it was, especially from an efficiency point of view. Sure, he didn't score tons and tons of points like he has in the past, but 9 of 14, and even the 2-5 from 3, there were some games last season where he was just shooting 3 after 3 after 3 after 3, and none of them were going down. Or maybe yeah. he hit 1 or 2. But 2 out of 5, you know, he, that's a good spot for him to be in, especially given the fact that at times it looked like he was trying to force things, where he would have the ball, he'd bring the ball up or, or get the ball right away from Brogdon and just have the ball the entire possession. And he never really looked like that to me. It was more in the flow of the offense, which is what you want to see from him. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I was kind of curious, you know, because Warren, I think, still coming back, yeah. how the touches would be divvied up. Would that mean that Sabonis would take a step back? Would that mean Brogdon would take a step back? But really, I think if you look at it, um, they were pretty pretty well divided up between yeah. the, the starters. I mean, yes, Sabonis at 18, but he also was very efficient, got to the free throw line. Um, of course, Warren was not as efficient. He was only 2 of 8, 0 of 2 from 3, like I mentioned. So just a bit of a struggle for him tonight. But like I said, I'm not taking too much stock in that. But yeah. it was the three guys. It was the three you know, of Brogdon, Oladipo, and Sabonis that yeah. really helped his team on the offensive end. And you did ask me that question. And I said, I really think you know the best game I saw from Oladipo before the in- or coming back from the injury was that game against Boston, the one we ended up losing yeah. before COVID hit. I mean, I thought Oladipo looked really good there, but then when the bubble came around, he struggled a little bit. But overall, I, I just think that you you made a great point. Victor being his best self that he can be is exactly what this Pacer teams need. What this Pacer team needs, whether you want him on the team or not. Like, yeah, this is going to be a weird free agency because <laughs> we have seen all these extensions happen with Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Um, even some of the young guys that got their uh, rookie extensions from the 2017 draft, they, they're off the market for the most part. Like, you got, like, Lonzo Ball, Laurie Markin, and John Collins, Victor Oladipo. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think if I'm missing anybody. I don't think there's too many other big names out there. Maybe Drew Holiday, he's got a player option, Blake Griffin, same type of thing. But I think when it comes to Victor, this is a guy that people are going to have cap space for now because they're planning on having Giannis cap space. <laughs> Yeah. And there could be like, hey, if Victor continues to be this efficient, they could throw money at him. So you asked me a question. Yeah, I, I don't even know if you're asking me. You might have said, I think Victor 
is worth what? What would you say? I said I mean, we were talking about basically what it would take for him to resign, given that we assume he wants a max or close to a max, yeah. and you know trying to figure out what what kind of push does it take in mm-hmm. terms of his numbers? Like what's what his numbers have to be at for him to be worth the max for us? And that and you said basically that he's probably never been worth the max, so he probably won't be worth the max. Yeah, <laughs> well, which is totally fair. I just when I I see some of these guys getting max deals like and you you brought that point up yes. there are some guys that are getting max deals that you're like man not like, sure about that are they really worth the max I mean th- that's a big deal like I said really for me when I think of a max player I think of top ten top fifteen and I don't think Oladipo's worth a max right now and I think if you're trying to look at the long term future of this team you have to really put that into consideration like if you want to give him a nice four year deal for you know close to a hundred hundred and ten million like I can kind of see that. Contract structure, yeah. But if you're talking 30, 30, 32 million a year, like I know what Gordon Hayward <laughs> just got because there weren't a lot of free agents out there. So this could be the same thing for Victor from another team. I just don't know if I'm the Pacers. I want to do that, yeah. But overall, I mean, we've got a whole entire year to see what Victor's going to be. This was the Knicks, a team that's not very good. Yep. So we won by fourteen points. We pretty much dominated the second half. Yes. I would just say this. This is a good indication of what Victor could become this year. Yeah. But I think seeing him go up against tougher teams will be something I'm really going to keep my eye on and continue to see how he develops with Brogdon, Warren, Sabonis, and Turner throughout the season. Yeah, I think for me one of the things that I'm going to be watching is the performance of Vic versus the performance of TJ. They're not the same kind of players. They're really different in a lot of ways. However, given... The salary cap issues that we have, um, even if we get rid of uh, Turner through a trade of some kind, um, we're going to potentially be in a spot where we're going to have to choose between the two of them. Yeah, that's, I mean that's one thing I think Rhett Bauer hit on in his article talking about T.J. Warren's upcoming extension in yeah. twenty one twenty two season. Same with Aaron Holiday. I mean, it's something that you don't really want to think about right now <laughs> because it's a couple of years away. But in the back yeah. of your mind, you have to think. Well, if we sign Vic to this extension and then we do that with Warren, like, what is our next move? Because if this Pacers team doesn't, you know, elevate to a Eastern Conference contender or you know a, a team that can push uh, somebody in the second round, then you're you're kind of paying a lot of guys to just you know plateau where you're at. Yeah. So I, I think those are all great concerns. But as far as tonight goes, though, I, this is a good sign for Oladipo. Yeah. I, I, I think him not being the prominent offensive option for the team yeah, is something that he's adjusting well to. I think that him and Sabonis, like here's what you got to think about. The Pacers traded away Paul George <laughs> for Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis. Tonight they combined for 54 points, 9 assists, 17 rebounds, 2 steals, and a total of 15 free throws attempted. So yeah. this is, you know, sure, you thought on that deal, Pacers just got robbed. I mean, we're making, everybody's making jokes about it. Pacer fans were like, are you serious? Yeah. Some people now will say, oh, I actually like the deal. Let's be honest. They probably were not thinking that uh, when the deal was done. But if you put those two players together, I think that that's, you know, you got a better deal on that. Yeah. Unfortunately, I hate to say that against Paul because Paul's a really good player. Yes. And I still think he's a top 15 player in this league. Yeah, for sure. But if you're able to substitute that with the production from those two, it's not going to be consistently like that every night. But the upside, the, the potential of Oladipo oh, and yeah. Sabonis is greater to me than what Paul George is by himself. 
And I think that's a temptation to try to get Vic to stay. Yeah. <laughs> is, you know, I, I think Sabonis is an all-star level player, even on his own. You know, obviously he was he barely made it last year. I think he'll probably barely make it again this year, or maybe just miss it, depending on uh, injuries. It's going to be tough. Because of how many players didn't play last year, like Kyrie, like Durant. You know, a yeah. lot of players were hurt last year. So maybe he won't make it this year, but he'll still be as... His numbers will be the same, I think, or maybe even a little bit better, and he could still not make it. Yeah. That's fine. But it's a matter of, like, the two of them together, their chemistry has, from the jump, with the Pacers at least, has been so good. Yeah. And I, and I think with Sabonis, like, they're probably they're not going to have an all-star game, so it'll be interesting how yeah. they even pick all-stars. Yeah, maybe they'll just true. give them the, the votes, and we'll kind of go from there. But anyway, I mean, I think overall, this was a really good game from the starters, you know, top to bottom, and... One guy or two guys we haven't really got into is Turner and Brogdon. So I want to get into Miles Turner here because yeah. he had the best plus minus of anybody on the team at a plus 20. Wow. 10 points, 8 blocks, and 8 rebounds. And, you know, a lot of people always talk about his elite rim protection. Um, the fact that, you know, he's not going to get enough touches to get into that 15-point range, which is kind of true, I think. I think if he can get around 10 to 12 points a game, get those rebounds up to 8. I think 8 rebounds a game is good for Miles. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. eight blocks is <laughs> not going to happen every game. But that is a great start for the Pacers to say, look at what Miles did in this game. Eight blocks. And everybody was worried about that, too. The defensive end, everybody kept saying, oh, we're changing our system. Yeah. You know, we're not funneling everybody to Miles. But Miles still seemed to find a way to have success and be impactful. And I know the defense has still got a lot of wrinkles to iron out with this team going yeah. forward. It's really early. I'm not getting overhyped or over dramatic about a, a first game against the New York Knicks, but <laughs> just seeing Miles, you know, people were wondering if he was going to start tonight. You know, that was a thing because yeah. uh, Bjork was like, I'm not telling my starting five. It was almost <laughs> like he was in secret code, but it was the same five. <laughs> he played 29 minutes. That's like uh, a block every three minutes and 20 seconds. So, yeah, Miles Turner super impactful tonight. Yeah, and what I loved about it, and it was the same with him and McDermott because um, someone sent me a text and was like, our, you know, McDermott and Turner 0 for 10 from the three-point line, which that's that's not good, right? No, no, but no. I love, <laughs> clearly, but I love that, for one, you know, if you're a Pacers fan, that's not going to happen very often. Both of them are better shooters than that, and they'll come back from that. However, what I love about both their performances tonight was that, yes, they had, didn't have a great night shooting uh, from three, but they contributed in other ways. I mean, just having that plus-minus of plus 20, I didn't, I didn't even notice that. But even without that, even if you don't really you know love that stat, I know some people that don't love that stat, whatever. But eight blocks, eight rebounds, uh, and really just you couldn't you couldn't watch the game and not see that he was having an impact on the game. Yeah, and I will I won't lie, I was a little bit nervous there when it was uh, I think it was Nerlens Noel yeah. fell on the back part of his leg and it looked like his knee hit the ground pretty hard and it could have impacted his ankle as well. So I was a little bit worried about Miles there because we know that he did. Um, get a, a head injury um, getting hit in, in the preseason game in game yeah. one with Victor. So I'm just, you know, I, I think that while there are question marks of what this team looks like against better competition and all that fun stuff, I am excited to see how these guys are able to gel and use these opportunities, especially in December, early part of the season. I think we play our first seven of our first nine at home. Yeah. So this is a really good opportunity for these guys to get comfortable with one another and it's, it's a great start. It's a great reason to be happy. I mean, there's nothing really yeah. to be too upset about in this game. 
Three um, point shooting being so low is was, yeah. That was that's that probably the worst spot of the game. Yeah, and eight of thirty four. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's pretty bad, honestly. But you can chalk that up to it's early. You know, a lot of people that usually shoot better did not shoot well. I mean, McDermott being zero for six, Justin being one for five, and Aaron being one for four. Yeah. Those are three of your better shooters, and they were all. Then they combined for what two of. What's that, 15? Yeah, 2 or 15. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. That's not good at all. But, you know, shooting slumps happen, and, you know, with it, we've seen these same players shoot well before. So it'd be one thing if it was like, well, here we go again. Justin yeah. Holiday throwing up five shots and only making one. What, what else is new? But we know the guy can shoot. So he'll figure that out, and that'll, that'll bounce back eventually. And same with Miles and any of them that struggled tonight, really. Other than Sabonis and... McConnell, there's nobody on the team that I'm like, oh gosh, they're taking a three. Oh no, like Sabonis hit two of four, <laughs> you know. So and McConnell didn't take any. So those are, those are probably the two worst three point shooters, and they combined for two of four. <laughs> yeah, and what's funny is like, I you bring up a great point about this bench, and I and I have to give a shout out to Jeremiah Johnson because yeah. he put this thing out on Twitter, and I felt personally attacked because of <laughs> stuff I've been saying. He basically was like, um, all your preseason teaching McConnell takes look really bad now, basically, or something along those lines, because I was like, I don't know if McConnell should really be getting playing time with this rotation. He can't shoot the three, that kind of thing. I wasn't trying to overreact. I was more so thinking big picture with Bjorkman's offense. Wanting to shoot, like they shot 40, I think they averaged 43s a game in the preseason, so I was thinking if they're going to be shooting that many, and he's not a three-point shooter, like how many non-three-point shooters can you have on the floor at one time? Yeah. And we thought maybe he might go 10-11 deep with his rotation, but he stayed with the nine that McMillan played last year. And it's funny because McConnell, yeah, he only took three shots. He was two of three from the field. He had just five points, but he was the he was plus 17. Yeah. The second highest plus minus, and I know, like you said, some people don't like that stat, but I think that it is very eye-opening for tonight's game in a, in a way to show the impact, even though the numbers for McConnell's stat line, you know, five assists, one steal, one turnover, five points. Like, you think about it, you're like, yeah, four rebounds, yeah, and whatever. It was a McConnell game, you know. Yeah. Very, very low impact on the stats. Like, when you're looking at it with your eyes, you're to read the box, you're like, well, he didn't do much. Yeah. Then you see that plus 17, you're like, okay, so what this guy was making a difference. <laughs> and like I said, like, yeah. I don't think he's a bad player in the system because of the pace that he plays with because he's a, he's a guy that gets the ball down the court quick. For sure. He's got chemistry with those guys. I was just worried about three-point shooting, so. Yeah. It's it's good, David, to see McConnell yeah. be able to play in this system and not feel like he has to be somebody he's not. Yeah, he looked comfortable. I mean, yes, he didn't take any threes, but I think that's totally fine. I don't think that he has to be uh, taking a bunch of threes for anything. I think that his game is going to flourish from the drive and dish. I mean, we saw some gorgeous passes from him down low. He would get to the paint and then just dump it off to Sabonis and dump it off to Miles and just put it right in their lap. Like yeah. just have an easy layup or an easy dunk. And I think that's what he can do. And then I think that what you'll also see, and we saw some of this today, it just didn't fall as often as we would have liked, but him getting passes when you know when the defense collapses around him, he can kick it out to the open shooter. Yeah. That's that's what McConnell is, though. And, yeah. I, and I think there's just this perception of, oh, he's undersized, he wasn't good in the playoffs. I think people just had a bad taste in their mouth from the playoffs and yeah. part of the preseason. With him, now, I've kind of always said this. I feel like he's more of a regular season kind of guy than he is a playoff guy, and that's fine. But, you know, it's 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 still like you're still waiting for Aaron Holiday to prove that he can be that backup point guard. Yeah. And sometimes he does look better in that secondary role as like an off guard. 
And he, he played okay tonight. There was yeah. times when I thought, man, that was really impressive. But then there were some times when he had some really bad passes that didn't get through. Like, the idea was there, but he was just, like, a second too late on it. So there's, you know, there's reasons why coaches like McConnell over, you know, young potential like Aaron Holiday, even some guys like Keelan Martin, Edmund Sumner, those kind of guys. Like, you're like, why aren't they getting a chance at the uh, the rotation? But that's just why. McConnell is steady and consistent. And I want to go back to the starters real quick to round up talking about them, and that's Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, this was a guy yeah. that was – I think he was seven for ten at the um, at the halftime, and he ended up going like one of nine, yeah, or the one of six one the of rest six. of the game. One so it was not a great second half for Malcolm, but that first half was probably some of the best basketball I've seen Malcolm play as a Pacer. He was great, and, and, and you know it's. And I don't want to take away from that the, the first half of the how the second half was a little bit more rough from the shooting aspect of the of the game, but I mean, you know, he's doing a little bit of everything. I mean, mm-hmm. two steals, which. L- Led the team in steals, eight assists, seven rebounds. Only had two fouls. Only had one turnover. I mean, that was something else that we haven't said yet. Turnovers, like at times, were a problem for the Pacers. They were pretty good on that today. Sabonis had four, um, and no one else had more than two. So that's like I'll take that any day. But to stay on Brogdon, I mean, he did a little bit of everything, and ended up at twenty-one points. I think it was a really strong game. It just petered off a little bit. Like I think that. If you watch the first half, you would assume he had 30 points and just, yeah. like, torched the Knicks, and that just didn't quite happen. But what which was really great was that once he cooled off, Vic took off. Yeah, and that's kind of the same thing with Sabonis, too. Like, Vic just kind of took over in that third quarter, and yeah. those guys were just picking their spots. And I think Vic let them cook in the first half, and they let Vic cook in the second half. And when you have that many options, it's nice that you can kind of bounce it off one of another and, like, you don't have to be like a, a guy that has to carry your team every single night when you have capable playmakers like those three players. And then you have T.J. Warren and Miles Turner, Miles Turner sprinkled in, in there as well. Yeah. And those guys at any given night can give you 10 to 15 points. We know T.J. Warren was a leading scorer last year for the Pacers. So we know that he's going to get back in there. He's yeah. not going to just have five points. Like, you know, it's just – but with Brogdon, I mean – the guy had eight assists. It was a quiet eight assist, and the two steals were right at the beginning of the game. You saw him yeah. really set the tone, really trying to get in there and cause deflections, and you know, really trying to disrupt. That's what Nate Orton kept preaching was disrupting, disrupting, disrupting on defense. So, really good overall from him. And then in the, the bench, you know, wrapping this conversation up, David. Yeah, not a great game from Justin Holiday. Yeah, it, just, it was rough. It was kind of one of those things where he didn't play like bad. Where you're like, oh my gosh, like Justin Holiday looked terrible. Yeah. But you thought to yourself, like, eh, this wasn't the most impressive game from him. You know, not a great shooting night for him. Did play 22 minutes. Was the only guy that had a negative plus minus. It was only minus one. So it pretty much shows the Pacers were pretty dominant the entire, you know, the entire second half, which kind of evened things out. But yeah, I mean, this is a guy that arguably is the Pacers' best bench player. Some of people think could even start sometimes this season. So. If he is the best bench player until Jeremy Lamb gets back, I want to see him continue to play as productive as he did last year, but I don't know if that's going to happen either. So not saying I'm worried about him like that, but I just think that I'm going to tamper my expectations a little bit with Justin because I want to see just if this new system, how this new system and how he fits in with the starters and everything, what his role is going to be like because it was very it was very McDermott, Sabonis heavy with that second unit once again. Yeah, yeah. and you know, it's just one game, but you know we just paid him money. <laughs> you know, not much though. I mean, not, eighteen not million for not three years, much. pretty good deal. I yeah. think he gave us a discount. For yeah, sure. I think it was it was team friendly for sure. But 
you, you want to see, you would expect this system to benefit him. He was one of our best shooters last year. And what I guess what my concern is, both McDermott and Holiday struggled from three tonight, and they've struggled with three from three. Sorry, uh, during the entire playoffs and during much of the bubble. I mean, I, I think it was one or two games where Holiday shot pretty well from three, and McDermott was bad from three almost the entire. He's been bad in the playoffs <laughs> for the Pacers. There's no doubt. Yeah, bad. but I mean, I had even a... in the bubble, he wasn't great for the. Yeah, the he Pacers. was. It's weird because like it's so funny. Like when he plays on the road, like Road McDermott is like yeah. just the thing. Like everybody talks it's about so it. So bizarre. But at home, he's zero of six. Like there's not even fans in the stands. Like this is a guy <laughs> that like when he's on the road, like you saw what he did in that Denver game last year. Like I think it was like nine of ten from three or something stupid like that. I can't remember. Yeah. But he just went off. Like that's the capability like you have a microwave type of shooter oh, like yeah. that in McDermott and, and Justin Holiday shot like 40 some percent last year so I he think those numbers will level out yeah but I did bring this point up to you tonight and this isn't me being like pessimistic or anything but it's like if Justin Holiday is your best bench player like that to me is not a problem but it's definitely talks a little bit about just you know if he's your best bench player does that mean that you're a championship level team I don't think so yeah um, but at the same time, they have so many good starters. I'm kind of debating myself for talking about it out loud. <laughs> you can stagger the minutes like we've seen and allow those other guys to kind of play in that six-man role with the bench guys. Just divvy up those minutes from the starters with some of the guys in the second unit. Yeah, we just don't – you don't see NBA teams like the way that the Pacers team is built this year and in last year too. I mean, you don't see – you see teams that have, you know, one or two players in the top 15, top 20, um, and then – you know, just a lot of depth, or you know, like teams like the Lakers, they you know have AD and LeBron, and they have a lot of really good like players, players. to fill in the bit, to fill in the gaps, yeah. right? Um, and they have uh, like if if you stacked up the five best players from the Pacers and the five best players from the Lakers, the Lakers would have one and two, and they would have like uh, a big chunk in the middle where the Pacers yeah. would have three, four, five, and then like eight, nine, ten. You know, it would yeah. be like it'd be weird. So I think that it's just a different scenario where we don't have anybody in the top 15, but we have, you know, four or five people in the top 50 or whatever. Yeah. So it's just like this weird dichotomy of, like, you don't have a star or even two star-ish level players, but you have five guys that can any night have 25 to 30 points. Yeah, and I think one thing, too, like, this is just, like, another me thinking about Justin Holiday. It's like, yeah. he's not a guy that really can create for himself. Same with no. McDermott. He's not a guy that can create for himself. He's very... He's very solid playing with McConnell and Sabonis. And I think we talked about this all year long during the playoffs. It felt like, anyway. It felt like a year. It wasn't a year, but that entire bubble, it was just like you realized how important Sabonis was to this team. Like, Warren started going off in the bubble. Everyone's like, oh, maybe the Pacers, you know, are better off with Warren as their number one option. And Sabonis as more of a complimentary role to him. I never bought into that because I think – Sabonis just does so many things with his passing ability, five assists tonight, his rebounding ability, 13 rebounds tonight, his scoring ability, 32 points tonight, and his screen setting. I mean, there were so many times that he created open looks for Vic and Malcolm just by giving them that extra space on those screens. And I talk about this probably every podcast. I'm going to try to do better about it this year. (laughs) But just the the way that Sabonis sets screens and gets guys open on offense, it's just just phenomenal. And that's why Justin Holliday and McDermott, those kind of guys had great years and this is why people are excited about Aaron Holiday. He only played 17 minutes tonight, three of eight from the field, one of four from three. He's he's a guy that's been very streaky in his Pacers career. Yeah, we want more consistency from Aaron Holiday, and I think that maybe giving him more minutes to kind of expand that role, 
will be beneficial. But at the same time, I get it. Bjorkman's trying to establish something here with these guys, and I know he wants to get out there and really get some victories for this team because whether it's a new year or not, new coach or not, the goal is to advance in the playoffs, which we haven't done in a while. Yeah, and, you know, like, I would love to see Holiday, sorry, Aaron Holiday, because you have to distinguish between the two. Yes, you do. Uh, I would love to see him get a few more minutes, and that was the problem with, you know, McMillan, and he only had 17, and I, I, I feel like for him maybe 20, 21 is where you'd want him to be, depending on how well he's playing. I know in the bubble he had some foul trouble issues tonight. He only had three fouls. Um, he didn't shoot super well, and like you said earlier about Aaron Holiday, he did have some passes. He had one skip pass that was supposed to go to Justin, and it was just like right to a defender. Like, yeah. It was like he didn't even see him. Yeah. And he does still make some mistakes that you would expect him to not make at this point in his career, but it's hard to gauge because he hasn't played that much. Yes, he's been in the league for a few years now, but like he's always been either did not play or you get five minutes in spare. And last year he played much more, obviously, especially in the bubble. Well, but his first his first year he didn't really play at all. A lot of it too, David, is he's not been playing in that starting, or not starting, but that point guard role. Yeah. He's been the off guard role, played yeah. with Malcolm, played with McConnell. So yes. he's yeah. not been, oh, hey, let's run the offense through Aaron. It's like Aaron's going to be on the wing and we'll set him up for some shots. Like I think there was one drive, I think it was in the first half, he had a great drive to the basket. You were like, oh, that was a strong take. Yeah. And like that's the error I think we want yeah. to see because he can be explosive at times. I don't think he's going to dunk on people, stuff like that. No, but, but he's strong. Able to get to the rim. You know, and that's one thing he did. He did. I think he had a really bad conversion uh, rate last year, percentage last year, of getting into the basket but not finishing shots. And yeah. I mean, that's tough when you're a smaller guard like Aaron, but I think that you like the aggressiveness from him. And if he's able to put that kind of pressure on the defense, if he can work on that facilitating, then you could get his brother and, and, and Doug and the, and the shooters on the team more shots if he's able to be a little bit a better facilitator. But overall, I mean, Aaron Holiday is someone that this team – I think really values. Yeah. And of course, we did not get a chance to see Goga tonight. Um, I don't know. I don't think he got to see it, but Bjorkman did talk about that oh, pregame. And he basically was like, Goga really wants to be out there. He's a really good young player for us. And, you know, he, he deserves minutes. And I thought that that was kind of interesting that he basically threw it out there that, hey, I want to give this young guy some minutes to play with us. And overall, you know, there's it's just going to be hard because there's, while there's not a great bench player, there's a lot of. Really good bench players, a lot of good role players that fit this team. And then once Jeremy Lamb comes back, that means that someone's going to have to take a step back. And it could be McConnell, it could be Aaron, it could be McDermott, it could be Justin. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, that's tough. It's, I mean, I would assume McConnell still. I would assume him still, but it could cut into Aaron's minutes. Yeah, I mean, I think that Sabonis probably will average closer to thirty-four. I don't, uh, I'd rather I, be 32. That'd be my, well, that'd saying, be my hope. Yeah, either way, he won't average 37. Yeah. So there's three or four or five minutes that could go to Goga. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, McDermott with 28 is probably high. I mean, he has the same amount that is a as, little high for as Vic. Same amount as Vic, one less than uh, Miles and five more than TJ. But yeah. TJ had a rough game, so I understand that part of it. But he won't have 28 a game. So there's probably 10 to 15 minutes some nights, given certain matchups. And I think right. McConnell, I think, is is one of the most matchup-dependent players we have. Uh, That's given, true. Like, I think there's some matchups where he will just really struggle and some matchups where he will just torch people. Yeah, because uh, Miami was a terrible matchup for Yeah, him. exactly. Yeah. And so I think that when you're seeing a team like that, maybe you give him 10 minutes. You know, you give him you know, much less 
or, or you know, maybe you don't even play him in all some games. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know uh, how that will sit with him. He seems like he's a really great <laughs> team player. Yeah. But I mean, NBA players, you know, are NBA players, and most of them have egos. So yeah. No, I think, <laughs> I think McConnell would be under. I, what I will say with Bjorkman, he seems very transparent with this team. Yeah. Telling Edmund Sumner ahead of time in that final game of the preseason, hey, you're not going to play tonight. I'm going to let these younger guys that are on our G League team that we're kind of looking at get some opportunities in the fourth quarter. So you're not going to play tonight. And I think if he goes to McConnell, hey, these are some matchups we want to see. Aaron get the backup point guard rule. Give maybe Goga some more minutes. Lamb's coming back. We're not going to be able to put you in the rotation tonight. I think if you're able to be transparent and be up front and let them know, hey, look, it's not going to be fun to tell a guy he's not playing in, in a certain game or for a certain set of games, but as professional as TJ McConnell is, I think he's yeah. going to be somebody that really can embrace that. Where I think if you told a young guy like Aaron, hey, we're going to take you out of the rotation for the next couple of games because yeah. we're going to give Edmund a chance, Keelan Martin a chance, and, and Lamb's coming back, I, I think that that might impact mentally Aaron Holiday yeah. more than it might impact a professional like McConnell who was around the 76ers when they went through the whole trust the process team. So I, I just, I know for a fact that McConnell is on a different maturity level well, yeah. than most of the guys on this roster. Yeah, probably. He he wants these everybody. guys to, <laughs> behind him that are kind of not coming for his minutes, but guys that he knows really want some of his minutes. Yeah. He doesn't look at them as a problem, as someone stepping on their toes like you might feel like in a workplace, something like that. Yeah. He just looks on them, hey, let's go together, let's go to work. And that's why I love TJ McConnell. Yeah, he's definitely a pro's pro. And you can tell, he, we saw it in the bubble when you know Aaron would have a mistake or something would happen with Aaron. He'd go pull yes. him aside and talk yeah. to him. He definitely wants to be a mentor, and he's not someone that I don't think would get jealous about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, especially given how Bjorkman seems to be very open, as you said. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think, the, I think the transparency and the personal relationship that Bjorkman has with these players will definitely help this team when they do get into a bit of a rotational. Um, you know, I don't know what, what the correct term is here, but just getting used to like the routine of all of that. Yeah, like well, a set, just a, a set, set rotation. rotation. But there's going to be nights when he doesn't have a set rotation, yeah. and it's like you feel like, oh, I'm coming in playing this many minutes, and then you come in the next week and realize you're not in the rotation because you know Lamb's back healthy or Sumner is uh, you know really in, improving in practice and showing that he deserves minutes. I mean, it's a tough spot to be in if you're a coach. So. Uh, anyway, that's a long rabbit hole on TJ McConnell <laughs> and that old thing. But the Pacers win the night, one twenty-one to one hundred seven. Pacer fans around the around the world are excited tonight. Our friends in Australia, the Pacers, I'm sure they're excited. Oh, yeah. We do have some of the Philippines. I know that they're excited as well. And I'm not sure if they were able to watch the game or they're going to get up and watch it in the morning. But this is just awesome, man. I'm I'm so excited that the Pacers basketball is back, and not a better way to do it than than beating those dumb. Stupid Knicks. <laughs> I'm still mad about the Larry Johnson four-point play. Oh, yeah. And it just it makes me feel good to know that the last time the Knicks were in the playoffs, Roy Hibbert oh, blocked man. Carmelo Anthony with one of the most beautiful pictures of all time. Yeah, that's that's just the best. You know, anytime you're going to beat a rival, it's going to be good. You know, we don't want to get too overhyped about beating this 2020 Knicks team. But, hey, you know, it's good to see the Pacers back. It's exciting, and it's good to start off the season with a win. Yeah, I will say this. I'm confident that the Pacers and the Pacers fans will have a more fun and exciting season than the Houston Rockets will. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, starting, starting off on a Rockies foot, and who knows how how much Harden wants to be there anymore. I, he don't want to be there. We know that. Uh, we got, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a mess. We got Kendrick Perkins 
doppelganger uh, <laughs> James Harden coming straight out of the straight, straight out of the uh, the strip clubs onto the court for preseason action, and then everybody apparently got their hair cut today. They got uh, so many guys were involved in contract tracing with COVID nineteen. Yeah, man. I mean these guys. I I don't know what's going on. Houston, we have a problem. I, I really believe <laughs> that. So um, Indiana fans, thank God you don't have to worry about that. I know we did talk a little bit in the last couple pods about hypothetical Harden to the Pacers rumors, but. Trust me, that ain't going to happen. Uh, <laughs> you can just embrace this team for what it is. I mean, even some people thought there might be some midseason trades. Like, I still don't know if I think the Pacers make any moves. Still the offseason when their hands kind of forced. But this is a great win. Go enjoy it. Christmas is here. We don't play until after the Christmas holidays. So Merry Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas to you guys. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And what do we say, David, at the end of our podcast? Let's go Pacers. Let's go Pacers. <laughs> Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.